This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Here is your host, Laura Zarrow. Welcome to Women at Work and our weekly conversation about how we can help and inspire more women to join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics, for today's show where we're featuring a trailblazing woman who's using blockchain technology to change the media landscape. Our guest is going to be Kim Jackson. She's the co-founder and president of Entertainment at Singular DTV. She's an award-winning film producer who began her career in L.A. at Disney Touchstone and has been involved in a whole bunch of productions, including Munich, directed by Steven Spielberg, and Inside Man, directed by Spike Lee. Prior to creating Singular DTV, she was producer and president of Avotion Media, which is formerly Streetwise Pictures, a New York City-based film production company that provided provided collaborative investor relations and award-winning production services for feature films. Kim's an, also an adjunct professor at the New School University in Manhattan, where she teaches the producer's craft when she's not involved in any of these major productions. She's served as a judge for the Student Academy Awards, Daytime Emmys, and as a jury member for the Hamptons International Film Festival Student Short Film Competition, the SVA Dusty Film Festival, and the NYU First Run Fe- Film Festival. So this is a woman who's helping making media happen in all kinds of landscapes. And today she's here with us on Women at Work. So Kim, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. Oh, thank you, Laura. It's really great to be here. So I want to start off with Singular DTV. Talk to me about what the mission is um, and how you wound up there. Sure. Singular DTV is really uh, a vision that myself and some uh, other partners um, that I have, and my husband is one of them, um, we've been filmmakers, as you just described to the audience, for I have for, for many years now, uh, both at the studio level and also an in independent. Uh, independent means independent financing, by the way. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, so independent film, when people say, oh, you know, what is independent film? It means independent financing, basically. You're not getting studio-backed uh, financing. Sometimes that can be uh, a little bit more freeing, creatively speaking. And so... Through the business model that we've been experiencing over, say, the last 20 years in the entertainment industry, it's become less and less uh, capable for independent production companies to actually create a revenue stream that allows them to stay in business. Um, It's very difficult. So you either have, you know, the studio model, which um, means you're part of a larger group and, you know, you're you're sort of taking uh, lead from a lot of different you know, divisions, or you have an independent production company where you have independent financing, the problems that started to rise are really in the area of distribution and also in finance. So we were starting to look at business models and different ways and more innovative ways to be able to create revenue streams um, by, you know, in the business of making uh, films. And around that same time, we, we were introduced to some new technology called blockchain, and uh, learning what blockchain technology is bringing to um, communities all over the world is really the ability to alleviate an intermediary in a transaction. And so when you look at your business model, no matter what type of business model you have, and you start to analyze uh, where the intermediaries show up, um, you can start to develop 
uh, roadmaps and projects around that. And that's exactly what we did with Singular DTV. Um, we decided that there's, there's two main roadblocks around our business model, which is around financing, and then more importantly, around distribution. And so we're building applications that will, be, will operate on blockchain technology uh, that is coming to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, and what our main vision and goal is, is to really provide a uh, viable opportunity for artists of all disciplines, we are focusing on film and television and some music and, and you know, authors. Uh, but really, any kind of IP that you might have in, uh, in the creative sector, an, op- an opportunity for creators to really benefit financially and to be able to directly connect with their audiences in a meaningful way. So and the, that's really the vision for it, for Singular DTV. It is inspired and brilliant, and there are a lot of components of it that I'd love to explore. So I want to take a step back for a second and talk. You talked about three different things. Obviously, there's how films get funded, how they get financed so that they can actually be made, how they get distributed so people can see them, and the question of who's taking the lead. And I loved how you phrased that, especially when you work in a studio setting. Can we start with the creative part of it? To what degree does this enable you not just to um, get that financing and get that distribution, but to actually have your creative vision um, come to life with less interruption, less, dis- you know, distortion? Sure. You know, it's funny. I was having a conversation just last night with an actor that we're working with right now. We're, we're actually in Utah as we speak, uh, <laughs> shooting a movie. Um, and, uh, you know, we were talking about technology and its its influence throughout the years uh, on on film in particular. And, you know, there is no magical um, <laughs> equation for, you know, the, this business because there is art that is required mm-hmm. and necessary in order for uh, there is an artistic expression that, that is required. And that's, that relates to taste and, um, you know, your experience and, mm-hmm. and a craft. And technology can is a tool, uh, but it's not a cure-all, right? It's not going to suddenly make you famous or suddenly make you rich, right? Well, it's because it doesn't. Still sun- it still doesn't <laughs> make you brilliant or insightful or artful. Exactly, and all of those things when you're talking about, um, you know, this particular arena of entertainment are still very much required. Uh, what it can do, though. So, so let's. I'm going to take it to to artists that we're familiar with, right? Okay. That have probably spoken out in the past around uh, not getting paid and not really having access, direct access to their audiences. So, um, David Bowie is a big one. Um, he launched Bowie Bonds uh, way back when on Wall Street. So, and he raised fifty five million dollars doing this, um, and it allowed him to be able to fund things that he wanted to do based on people's interest in his work. Now, you still had to be an accredited investor to sort of get involved in that. So it wasn't necessarily open to all of his fans. Uh, other artists, you know, along the way, Prince is another one. You know, he left Warner Brothers because they were really constricting his artistic freedom. Not only that, he wasn't getting paid for mm-hmm. the bazillions of dollars that he was generating for this company. Um, some of us on, that are listening might remember him going through a process of changing his name to a symbol. He wasn't being a, an eccentric artist. He was making a, a statement and a point uh, to to the record studios saying, you know, 
I'm not a slave. I have freedom of, of expression here. These are my this is my audience, and I should be getting a paid and and b I should have the freedom to create and express myself the way I want to. And so, you know, the idea here with technology, and and I look at technology in all aspects of the business. We've had technology impact us with cameras mm-hmm. and the camera technology and digital filming, and so that opened up a huge arena for a lot more people to be able to make films and create stories and become storytellers. And, and so then we have all of this content um, and then technology brought us streaming video in the, you know, iTunes and Netflix and Hulu's of the world and Amazon now. And so all of that content has a place. Um, but what still is driving that content creation is quality and is originality and is the ability to to produce content, own that IP, control mm-hmm. that IP all the way through to distribution. And that we're seeing with you know companies like Netflix are doing. So they're spending billions of dollars on original content because they can own the IP and control that IP. And that's where the power really is. So for the individual creator out there, the individual filmmaker, the power really is in being able to to control your IP, track that IP, have that direct connection to your audience, um, and be able to see in real time the accounting that goes along with that in the back room, right? So every transaction that happens, you should be able to see the revenue splits in real time. And now what's happening is you sell your phone to a distributor and you license it to them usually for typically 15 years. And you're really cut off from that process now after you've done that. You've signed the papers. They really, you know, they, they in theory say they will, they will be giving you reports, but those reports take months and months and months. Um, there's a lot of creative accounting that happens with blockchain technology. <laughs> yes, and, you know, so with blockchain technology, um, and this, by the way, can help companies on their back end as well. A lot of companies, a lot of production companies spend a lot of time and resources paying out, you know, back end residuals because uh, it's a very, very challenging and difficult process because of all the different distribution models that exist out there. So um, this technology is an open ledger, a decentralized open ledger. And so that means that it's, it's not, you can't manipulate it, right? Right. So, so it's that transparent. it's, it's a, and you get information in real time and it's transparent. Exactly. So this can benefit, you know, studios, production companies, and individual filmmakers alike. And so it just sort of depends on, you know, at what level you come in. So we're building a distribution portal by where, you know, if you're a production company, you can have your own channel. Um, if you're an independent individual, you know, creator, you can have your own channel. Um, you know, we have a lot of distribution partners that we're working with right now that are very excited about this because it really keeps the back-end accounting super simple and super easy. And that becomes... Um, you know, a lot more efficient for a business model for companies as well. Absolutely. By the way, you're listening to Women at Work here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, and my guest this hour is Kim Jackson, who's the co-founder and president of Entertainment at Singular DTV. So you mentioned Netflix before, and I was thinking how, um, you know, Netflix started as a film distribution system and, you know, really changed the way we consume media. And then, like you said, they've become a powerhouse studio that 
that's really producing innovative content um, where there's funding coming in, but there aren't the same constraints that you see in other studio systems. With Singular DTV, are you doing both simultaneously or are you producing first and then distributing as the second phase of the project? Well, we're, we're doing a couple of things. First of all, we are building technology and we're building applications on new technology. So our first priority is on the technology applications. And so we have to first prove those applications work and prove their benefit to uh, this large industry. And so that's really our first priority and our focus at the moment. In the meantime, yes, you know, we are, um, we will have content on that uh, distribution application. Uh, there'll be libraries of content, there'll be original content, um, and there will be partnered content on uh, this distribution portal when it launches. And our beta is scheduled to launch Q1 2019. And so, uh, you know, there will be, just like you saw stages of, of you know, streaming video applications that we now use every single day, uh, there will be stages to this. Uh, the blockchain technology is it's in its infancy. It's very early days, and so I, I like to, I always like to say it's sort of like the internet dial-up days. So it's very early, <laughs> and so you will see from Singularity TV, you will see stages of our development and our growth along the way. So initially, we're really focused on the technology. Our community is primarily blockchain crypto enthusiasts who are already <laughs> participating. Right. They are. They are anticipating and expecting and excited about applications that they can use with blockchain technology and with their with their cryptocurrency. Um, you know, it is a very huge market globally mm-hmm. for uh, blockchain crypto enthusiasts. And so, initially, you know, those are those are our audience, and we are choosing content that we hope they will like. Um, again, quality is extremely important in the arena of entertainment to get people's interest. And so, you know, that's really initially our focus. And as things mature, uh, you know, we have, you know, ideas and plans to, of course, have original content division where we're producing original content um, and where we're acquiring content that's already out there from other types of companies and filmmakers and also partnering with, you know, distributors and production companies who have that because this really what it allows people to do is have a lot of um, control and independence with the content that they, they do have. And it allows them to be able to, again, have that revenue stream that they can count on to be able to then make the next slate of films or the next film. Right. And so that's really the, the ultimate goal. At a risk of really grossly oversimplifying it or taking one slice of this, it sounds like it enables... Um, a system of funding and distribution to be so direct that the creator stays connected to that funding source, can retain control over how things are distributed and used, and that when we talk about IP, our intellectual property, um, it also allows us to make sure that if we're the creators working within this system, that um, our IP is protected, but also our intellectual property can be disseminated and used, but we know where it's going. Correct. Wonderful, wonderful summa- summation of that. You did okay. that. perfect. <laughs> Great. Cause, and, and I think about this in that it's empowering on different levels. You know, I, you know recently, I, we've known all along about the R&B artists who never got royalties for their work. Um, 
And to hear recently that Aretha Franklin never got royalties from from Respect. Yeah, it's shocking. And then to think all the places that that's been used and deployed, and it's so synonymous with her, yet she doesn't get any money from it. Yeah, it happens all the time. And we recently did some market surveys asking regular entertainment consumers, you know, questions like, when you watch a film on a distribution portal on your computer, you know, how much of that fourteen ninety nine goes to the filmmakers? And they actually mostly think that filmmakers and people who are making films, especially at the independent level, are getting paid and are, are, are getting rich. And, you know, it's not the case, uh, especially in the independent arena. Um, and so, of course, we've heard it from music for decades because the musicians, and you know, they have spoken out more about it, but it's not really spoken about too much in the film and television industry. You'll, you'll hear some cases here and there. I've actually read some even archived cases where, you know, famous television stars, you know, took took their, you know, studios mm-hmm. to the court because they weren't getting paid and they weren't getting any residuals, especially when something becomes very popular. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's not every case. And, you know, certainly there are folks who uh, were savvy on the front end and negotiated, you know, the right type of back end residuals. But it, it's very common and it's very common in just about any IP situation around entertainment, uh, unless you have very, very good um, agents, lawyers, managers who are negotiating on your behalf. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you have an undeniable breakout hit. But even in the music industry, with some of the most popular artists, you hear things like, you know, respect. Are you kidding me? I mean, you know, that's one of the most, you know, probably globally recognized songs. And And inseparable from her. Inseparable. And so, you know, the fact that she didn't get paid is, is unfortunately not surprising to me, but extremely sad. And, you know, artists as... Prince would so call always, you know, say, as you wrote on his face, you know, artists aren't slaves. And, you know, the, the ultimate creative expression in life is what you, you know, give to the world. And, and I think at a very basic level, artists should be able to get paid. Absolutely. And also, it's interesting how it resonates with me because I work in an academic environment. And, um, you know, the, the, kind of the holy grail here is when do we create new knowledge? When do we have publishable research? And the citations on that research are an important affirmation of its value and its impact. And so part of what blockchain, I think, promises to do in this regard is it's also like it will track the media version of the citations so that as um, the intellectual property is used, deploy, influences people, helps create other art, it connects back to the creator, right? Correct. Yeah. So it's super powerful. Now, it seems like you're going to be launching an ecosystem by doing this. You know, it seems like that's the intention, an ecosystem of producing media and distributing media um, that can become quite dynamic. How are you making your choices about the first projects to be developed? Hmm, That's a good question. Well, one of the first projects that we have created, which will be coming out this fall in theaters in New York and Los Angeles, is a documentary called The Trust Machine, and it is about basically about blockchain. More importantly, the impacts of of real people, uh, you know, on real people. I know. I, I signed up to be notified by Amazon Prime as soon as it's available. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, it's exciting. And so uh, that documentary will be in theaters, and it will also be on our distribution portal, um, 
you know, early next year. And so that's one of the first projects. We felt like it was important to, um, you know, have a filmmaker tell the story. And so we're working with Alex Winter, who is an award-winning documentarian, and he has been around this space for quite some time. And we sort of said, look, please go out and tell a story of, of, you know, a human story about blockchain so that people can really understand its impact. And we were very hands-off because we didn't want it to be an infomercial or a commercial (laughs) or any kind of, you know, biased sort of thing about it because, you know, it's it's technology and, you know, it's it's a heavy conversation. It's like, you know, like how it works isn't as important as why or, you know, what it's impacting. Right, or what it accomplishes or enables. Right. It's like talking about, you know, how the the internet um, connected everybody so that we have instantaneous communication, you know, and what the impacts about that were globally. And so it's, it's kind of a similar situation. So, you know, if the internet was able to bring us instantaneous communication globally, what blockchain technology is doing is bringing us instantaneous value exchange. Uh, and so that's, that's another dimension to um, connecting with people globally. And it's a peer to peer direct connection of value. And so the first application that was, given to us on blockchain was in the form of currency, Bitcoin. So that's how most people will know what, you know, or, or if they've heard about blockchain, mm-hmm. the first application is Bitcoin currency. And so if Bitcoin has done anything, it has shown that we, the people have decided what has value and we are exchanging this and using it for value. And that's a very powerful thing for the people. And so other applications uh, coming on to blockchain where you can um, also have a value exchange between peer to peer is really what's coming next. And I know it's a lot for people to absorb, right? Because you kind of go, well, how, well, how, and it's not so much how, because it's all super technical and, you know, we use JavaScript every day, but we don't really care and talk about that. Right. So, right. you know, the technology is more important, I think, to talk about, you know, the, the, the impacts. And so we have Absolutely. that film, The Trust Machine. Uh, we are actually in production on a film right now called The Happy Worker, which is um, a really lovely story about, uh, I just think, I think, you know, the, the, the morals and ethics around doing what you love. And it's a very left of center story. It's a very dreamlike sort of euphoric type of uh, a story, and uh, I don't want to say too much about it because we are <laughs> we're building a lot of fun, mysterious anticipation around that one. Fair so, enough, and that's in production. And we have um, acquired a few films. We're we're going to be distributing uh, a film called Perfect that came out of South by Southwest. It's also being executive produced by Steven Soderbergh. We have a really awesome sci-fi uh, film called. Uh, prospect that has a young female lead in it that we're very excited about. Uh, we have a lot of films that we are uh, considering and developing with a lot of prominent filmmakers. Uh, the film we're doing right now in Utah, Happy Worker, is being executive produced by David Lynch. And so uh, really we look for quality. We look for stories that um, have an impact, uh, that are unique that have interesting filmmakers because we really do believe in giving filmmakers freedom to create. So with the caliber of filmmakers we're working with, these are experts. These are people who are seasoned. These are people who have um, proven themselves 
as as artists, and we certainly aren't going to come in and tell them how to do their job. <laughs> I can't um, blame we really you. <laughs> do, we really do want to instill a sense of creative freedom at Singularity TV, so that's very important to us. It's, You know how sometimes you walk into somebody's house back in the days when everybody read actual books, not digital books, and you would look at a record collection or you'd look at a series, uh, somebody's bookshelves, and it tells you something about them? Mm-hmm. I have to say this first slate of films is telling its own stories. I think it's a really interesting package of things to kind of announce singular DTV. You know, the blockchain actually is going to create an experience around the very way that you're working. And then to have um, films coming out that are both about, you know, an individual creator and then a sci-fi perspective. I think there's a certain poetry in there, Kim. Well, I mean, listen, um, we do have an amazing team who is out there curating, who has amazing taste. And I always say you can't buy taste. You either have it or you don't. And, uh, you know, we will see. I mean, we're, we're trying to be conscientious and aware. Uh, we are, you know, we, we sort of love the films that don't fit into a box that you can't really label as a, as a known genre. We sort of like those really interesting stories. And so, um, you know, we, we sort of gravitate towards the things that are, are sort of left of center and unique and original where, you know, we're sort of like, hmm, what genre would you call that? And it's really more of a fun game for us to create new genres. Like, let's create new genres, you know. And exactly. I know that it does help people sort of organize themselves, but you know, we like to be a little more creative and provocative and um, inquisitive. Like, we want our viewers to sort of go, hmm, what's that? Okay, let's, you know, I want to have that experience. Um, you know, like the art experience, you know, sometimes you look at a piece of art and you go, I don't like that. And you know what? That's okay that you say that because you know what? It's evoking something from you. It's evoking an opinion. It's evoking a feeling. It's evoking, you know, something in you that's stirring you. And you don't, just because you, you know, like something doesn't mean that that's always a good thing either. So, you know, hopefully the, the work that, you know, we're going to be putting out from our original content, by the way, this is, you know, original content division yeah. that we're really talking about, you know, our goal is really to stir emotion and reaction from people. And so I always love a dialogue about any type of artistic thing. And so there's stuff that we have that I don't really, you know, it's not my taste where I'm like, Ooh, that's <laughs> right. <feel> weird. <laughs> and, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's like that should, it should do that. And you, you should sort of, Think about it afterwards, even if you're uncomfortable. Um, and so, in the, and also, you know, watching something that makes you think, makes you, you know, make different decisions in your own life because it's given you a new perspective on something. Um, to me, that's artistic filmmaking, uh, giving someone an experience. And we really are gravitating towards those filmmakers who. It- have the the, the knack of doing it's that. It's clear. As soon as you say David Lynch, I think about all those things. Making well, compelling media. Yeah. Well, let me be clear. He's executive producing this, which means he's sort of endorsed it as something that he feels is an important story. His um, longtime collaborator, editor of all the Twin Peaks and, and lots of other um, films that he's done, Dwayne Dunham, is the director. It seems to me that a big part of what you're doing is creating dynamic, creative, collaborative innovators. Is that fair to say? That's the goal, and and that's our hope. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, so far, so good. 
talk to me about because one of the things as a producer that's that strikes me about a producer's work is you're collaborating with so many different people on a project um, that there's got to be unique relationship with a director as well as the rest of the ecosystem that makes it happen. How do you approach these collaborations so that they can be fruitful? <laughs> That's a really interesting conversation, and it's a long one. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have a very short answer. You know, every single film that I've ever been involved with has its own dynamic, its own life, its own feeling, you know, its own trajectory, because it's it's creativity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look at the credits on a film, there are, you know, hundreds of credits that, you know, scroll down. And every single one of those people has had a very important role. And the interesting thing about a film is when you get on set, it's clear. Everyone knows what their job is. Every single person has a reason to be there and they do that thing. And it works like magic. It's really, it's, it's really an interesting process. And um, it's, it's, it's led I always witness the, the, you know, the director, that person's energy, that person's leadership trickles all the way down to the, you know, production assistant and craft services. I mean, you know, in terms of how everybody is, and it always stems from the the top. It's funny. We talk about that in business all the time. The culture is set by the CEO and it filters down through an organization. it really does, and you know, and it's a creative endeavor that has a beginning, a very definitive beginning, middle, and end. Which I always say, I love making movies because there's an end in sight. You know when it's going to end. When you have a company, when you're when you're leading a company, it's a little different because there's no definitive end, right? right. Uh, at least you hope not anytime soon. So it's, this is ongoing thing, and uh, you know, uh, finding balance. But with a film, there's a very definitive beginning, middle, and end, and you know, the collaboration from talking with you know, the union to then talking to, you know, your gaffer, uh, to your director, to the producer, to your actors. I mean, those conversations are very different and vary. And the intensity or the reasons or, you know, the type of conversation you're having is so different and varied in any one given moment uh, that for me, it's a very inspiring and fascinating um place to be because I get to interact with so many different types of people and the common denominator we have is is that we're serving a vision that we believe in and that you know we're on board with and yeah there are sometimes you're working on films where it's a job for some folks who you know have a job to do they you know they might be you know working in the lighting department and it's a it's a job their film comes to their state and you know they're available and you know and it's a gig that yeah and that and that keep that key person in that department wants to work with them or hires them um but i have heard from folks like that who will say wow you know this film is really special you know i really feel part of a family versus like coming t- to work and that's sort of the differentiation um that you can experience on on different um film projects and you know it's it's magic that happens and i think that good directors um you know have the ability to inspire every single person who's on that uh ride with you know with them to be able to get the very best out of everybody because, you know, everybody's job impacts what goes on that screen in some, you know, way, shape or form. So it's a really amazing process. And, you know, I was saying to someone recently 
um, you, know, you can't you can't get too crazy about this process because or take it too seriously sometimes because what we do for a living is play make believe. We're playing make, <laughs> we're playing make believe for a living and facilitating playing make believe for a living. And yes, on some level it's a it's a business and you want to have a return on your investment and you want it to be successful. And I think if you can focus on creating meaningful stories for audiences to mm-hmm. absorb and watch, uh, that is, you know, that's a very important part of the equation. And um, the business part of it is going to take care of itself. Right. And, and it's going to sort of be what it's going to be. And what you talked about is really the generosity of art making, is that it's something that all these people are coming together. And while they each know their skills and they know how to do their jobs and they could do them on one of a 100 films, it's that unique combination of what happens when all these people come together, shepherded to tell the story and make this human experience happen. And they have you know, while you guys feel like you get to play dress up and you're having fun at work every day, it's also hard. But they're the things that shape and inform our experiences as people when we're in the audience. So it's a big gift to all of us. Yeah, it's listen, it's it's a it's a really amazing uh, a job that I have. <laughs> and I am very, very, very grateful for, you know, the opportunity to be able to facilitate storytelling. Um, and I, I, I hope to be, you know, it's not ever it's never a perfect storm and it's never you know an equation that you know always adds up perfectly at the end sometimes it does and you know sometimes you know you get star wars you know what i mean and sometimes <laughs> sometimes you don't and uh but but you know it's it's you always get to learn something new about yourself when you dive into a creative endeavor. Isn't that one of the... If you're paying attention. Right. That is one of the amazing gifts. And by the way, the creative storyteller that we're talking with today is Kim Jackson, and she's the co-founder of President of Entertainment at Singular DTV. I'm Laura Zarrow, and this is Women at Work on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. So, Kim, you went to an all-girls college, and you're basically a science major. How That's did correct. that land you in filmmaking? Well, I would I would argue that I went to an all women's college. Thank you very um, much. I appreciate that correction. And <laughs> uh, yes, I went to Simmons College, which is located in Boston in Fenway uh, Fenway Park area, and it's one of the all only all urban women's colleges. I believe we're becoming a university. I read recently, which is very That's exciting. exciting. Yes. Uh, it was sort of by accident that I ended up at Simmons. I was I graduated high school as a junior. I graduated early, a year early, and I had a year to sort of explore life, which I took advantage of and went traveling around uh, the world for a little while and then um, decided I better get serious. And, and my parents, in the meantime, had, had relocated to Massachusetts. And so... You know, I went back home as as it were and was working and taking some classes. And um, it was sort of introduced to me the idea of, of, you know, going to Simmons by a couple of, you know, uh, alumni. And they had a program that I fit into because I hadn't gone to school right out of college, uh, high school. And, um, you know, it was one of those sort of, you know, path of least resistance kind of situations that just made sense and all the doors opened. And so there I was. And uh, it was a really wonderful experience, and it was a really tough experience. Um, I'm not the most structured person early in my life. I can't say I was the most structured person. And, um, you know, I'm definitely, you know, a rule breaker. And, uh, you know, getting into a, a college situation where, you know, you have to abide by structure was – 
at times challenging for me, but at the same time, I think what Simmons provided was really a platform for self-expression in a way that you don't really get in other co-ed types of Mm -hmm. situations. Um, Our society has just ingrained in itself, and I think it's unconscious a lot of times where, you know, girls and women don't um, get to lead conversations for for whatever reason. And so in that environment, um, you know, by default, we're the only ones in the room. So, of course, we're leading the conversation. So I think, you know, that that sort of environment really helped me shape my voice and give me the confidence to be able to, um, you know, continue into the, the workforce in a, in a meaningful way um, without sort of being self-conscious. And in terms of being a science major, I was, I'm always, you know, so like, you know, technology, singular DTV, what we're doing right now with blockchain, I mean, there is a relation there because I'm, oh, I am certainly. a science geek. I am fascinated with how things work and I'm fascinated with, you know, uh, just, you know, all kinds of different science, science related technology. Uh, but with that said, um, I used to take a lot of art classes and a lot of film classes, and, and I did better in those than I did sometimes in some of my science classes. Um, and, you know, we had an amazing program at Simmons at the time where uh, alum would mentor senior Simmons seniors where they would invite them to come for two or three days at a time and shadow them in their workplace. And I somehow, you know, was involved in organizing that for on the student side and I would meet all these really amazing women who had gone to Simmons, and several of them were in the entertainment industry, uh, you know, working at different places like, you know, uh, agencies and studios. And, of course, you know, that's sexy. You know, it's kind of like, ooh, yeah. that's interesting, you know, versus, you know, maybe some other types of industries. And I had an opportunity to go on vacation out in California. And, of course, being a networker, I decided to look these ladies up as alums and, and introduce myself in person. And one of them happened to work at a studio and her assistant, which also happened to be an alum, uh, was moving on and she needed an assistant and I needed a job. And I said, I'll be your assistant. And she said, oh, you know, you're seduced by the sunshine. You, you know, go back home and call me on Monday. And I called her first thing on Monday and I said, <laughs> no, I, I, I'll come. And so she hired me and I packed up my life in Massachusetts and I drove across the country and I worked. Uh, for her, and uh, that was my first entry into the business. It was in television and television development, and I never looked back, really, until, um, you know, I had worked a little bit here and there um, on certain types of related things, with technology and science, but um, it's really nice to see my two worlds coming together because <laughs> blockchain is, is is really, you know, and it's, it's very scientific and it's, you know, it's technology and being able to take those two things and put them together is, is really meaningful for me at this particular juncture in my life. And also impactful for everyone else. By the way, you're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School here on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Laura Zarin. My guest this hour is the amazing Kim Jackson, co-founder and president of entertainment at Singular DTV. So Kim, as you were describing that, it's like you hit, you were describing the hit parade of the factors that we know can make a big difference for women going into the workplace. And I just want to, you know, highlight them because I think they're so important. And it's amazing how they just kind of one fell in line after the other for you. So part of it was you were in an environment where you were encouraged and supported in finding your own voice. And that that was a critical asset of being at Simmons. Yes. 
I, I really do believe so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And that through these ment- through these short term programs that you were actually running, aside from what you learned and who you met through running them, that you had role models. You know, you can't be what you can't see. And so that you had these dynamic women in front of you and all of your classmates so that you could see that these things were possible. Then to your, you know, credit to you as a young woman, you are a real networker. There are a lot of women who are afraid to do that or don't know how important it is or that it's okay to do it. Were you yeah. nervous at all in that process or did you just say, oh, I'm going for it? Well, it was a long time ago. So, uh, you know, being present with my emotions that, that long ago is a little bit, bit tough. I'm sure I had some, <laughs> I'm sure I had some nerves and, you know, reservations, but I think that, um, you know, you got to power through that stuff. I mean, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, you know, how many years later in my life I, I've been invited to go speak uh, a keynote in Amsterdam in a few weeks. And, you know, the head of NBC is going to be doing a keynote. And I was like, you want me to do a keynote? And I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little intimidated. But I, I was like, I have to do this because, yes. because you know why? Because I'm nervous. It's so, so funny that you say that. Go yes. do it, Kim Jackson. Go do it. Yes, so, Kim Jackson. Yes. So, I mean, you always have, I think, a little bit of, like, that voice going, well, you know, me? What? Okay. Uh, sure. And, you know, I think the way you grow and the way I've grown is, you know, pushing myself. And sometimes it's not perfect. And sometimes I fall down. And sometimes I misspeak. And sometimes I misstep. And, you know, sometimes you do that. But you got to just, you know, you sort of just have to push through and persevere because it's how you grow and learn. And that's what we're doing here on the planet. You know, put, put yourself wherever you want, whatever field you want. Um, you know, stagnation doesn't really work, right? You've got to push, you've got to push through to the next place. And, um, you know, at our core, there's, there's basically a duality, fear and love. So are you going to love yourself or are you going to fear yourself? You know, like you just, you go take it down to the base, right? Oh take my it down God, to the very Kim. bottom line. Like the bottom line is if I'm afraid of something then I'm really afraid of myself, and if I want to love myself, then I'm going to challenge myself to go to the next level. And 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 it has to be okay if you fall down, you know. And if you, it's okay because you're going to, you know. Like that's just part of it. If you look at any amazing athlete that's, you know, won any Olympic medals at, you know, at the end of it all, how many freaking times have they either broken something or fallen well, down? Because if you don't like, fall down, you're not really trying. <laughs> It, this is it, you know, um, and I, and I actually have some some mentors who say you don't try, you do, right? Right. Don't try, don't try it. There is no you trying. Know, there is only yes, doing. There's no trying. You have to just <laughs> do it, and it may not be perfect, but but the uh, it's in the doing that you actually get to learn and, and explore and um, see what else is out there on the other side. So, Kim, it's it's wonderful to hear you talk about it. And I have to tell you, as I'm looking through the glass of the studio, Patty was putting her hand on her heart. Like, I could tell that, that, that this really, you hit the core of it, that combination of how we fear ourselves and that we could replace it with love. And this is clearly something you've learned over time. But you lead teams of people and you teach classrooms of students. How do you convey that to them? How do you help them? Um, not be afraid to try and to find the self-love even in their own mistakes. Well, I think you lead by example. I, I don't think you can tell people things. I think people have to experience it for themselves in order for it to become a reality. So you can share information and you can lead an example. And I think that's really the best anyone can do. Um, and so given being given opportunities like this today, Laura, with, with you and Patty to, to talk with 
folks and to reflect on what it is I'm, I'm doing in the world to try to make a difference. Um, hopefully, you know, that's being, you know, impressed upon somebody to, to get in motion and get, you know, motivating someone to do whatever inspires them. Uh, I really think it's, it's the best way to to reach people is just to be that thing. And um, hopefully others find some inspiration in that and uh, and then move forward in their own life to, to do something similar. You clearly have grown into your own leadership journey, your own le- place of leadership. And it's so interesting to hear the story of how you started your career. In the middle, though, um, for many of us, we embark on a path with ambition. And the critical issue is what we do when we're on that path that helps us take on our first big leadership responsibilities. Um, how did you take those on? Did you learn by watching other people the way that we get to learn by listening to you? Um, or was there a kind of more conscious approach that you decided to undertake? <laughs> my, my parents would argue that I, was, I came out of the womb, you know, leading. <laughs> Um, my mom was like, you were always bossy and in charge and just like, you know, if it wasn't your way, it wasn't anyway. Um, so I think there's like maybe some ingrained innate, you know, personalities and will that one is sort of put on the planet with and what you get. And I think we're all pretty much even when we come out, you know, like that. And then, you know, our surroundings and our support network and, you know, school and family and friends and all that sort of come in and start to influence that and hopefully not squelch that um you know and i and i was lucky enough to have a a really lovely family support and you know friends and you know teachers along the way and mentors uh but i I do think that um i hold on a second uh i on the phone was like ringing um (laughs) i i do feel that um it's important that people get the right support and surround themselves with the right people because, you know, Oprah is always great about talking about that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, right? Where if somebody isn't serving your soul in some meaningful way and they're taking and not giving what you're giving back, um, it's time to move on from that that situation and those people because um, this is, you know, this is your journey. This is your life. This is your opportunity to have self-expression and full self-expression. And it's tougher for women because we are um, responsible for family, you know, creating family. Uh, And so there's a lot of things that, um, you know, uh, are our responsibility in a community and in a family unit. So, you know, it can be challenging, I think, for for women to really, uh, you know, make those choices. So I think, you know, for, for me, I emulated women in my life that I respected and that I was inspired by. And I had several along my path that I can point at and say, you know, they taught me this, that, or the other thing. And I took that, you know, that, you know, not perfect people, but you take <laughs> right. what's the best part of that person and you go, okay, great. I'm that's, that makes sense. That works for me. I'm going to, I'm going to take that and I'm going to move on to the next place. Um, and it's not like I, you know, didn't struggle or, didn't have, you know, tough times, um, you know, choosing past yourself sometimes is, uh, you know, when you're being true to yourself, sometimes it doesn't always look the way you want it to look. But if you are staying true to yourself and you're 
and you're you're dedicated to that path, it will eventually pay off. I do believe that. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I found inspiration in in a lot of other uh, women. And I hope to be that inspiration <laughs> for other women uh, along the way as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's not easy for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it and, sounds as <clears throat> if you um, reap the rewards both within your family, then with college, and as you went into the industry, of having women around you and role models that you could learn from, and whether they're women or men, people that you could learn from and model after. Now that you're you're at a, a really interesting point of your career, you're really a powerhouse innovator, you have this amazing track record behind you, you're going to enable the work of all these people, um, but I have the suspicion that you're going to keep learning and growing. When you think about that, what do you want to learn about next? Or how do you keep yours? How do you fuel your own development, um, particularly when you've already had these successes under your belt? Yeah, it's, i got to be honest. It's a tough balance right now. I'm, I'm right in the sort of beginning of, an, of this endeavor with the, this company, and it, it amazes me that we are where we are and we're doing what we're doing. And I know we're in the future and we're pioneering something, and it's extremely exciting um, it's very inspiring and motivating, and uh, and at the same time, you know, I am finding myself sort of a little, you know, challenged with balance because it's all consuming. And I'm, yeah, it's all consuming, and, and it's all consuming from a place that I pre. I mean, I want that. I I asked for it. I created it. Here it is. Um, and I know that this phase won't last forever. Um, because nothing does right and trying to be present and appreciative and grateful and aware and also balance yourself in your daily life um, is uh, you know a, a constant meditation and you know you have to stay present and um, so I you know I'm to be perfectly honest I mean like look you know there, there <laughs> you know this isn't um, it's not the it's not the easiest thing to do. It requires you to become present in in everything you're doing, and I can't say that that's a perfect you know equation <laughs> and, for me every day. Well, it's almost <laughs> you know? an impossible request of anybody, and a testimony to you and all the other people out there who take on these ambitious projects that you summon that from yourself. And as you were saying before, um, a mentor once said, "You don't try, you do." Um, also doing as a way of learning, particularly for creative people. So I would posit that this whole experience, you must be learning new things every day as you make this real. And so I would say be kind to yourself. It sounds like you're doing an amazing job of pulling yeah. together your experiences from the past and your ambitions to facilitate something that can be enormously impactful. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like leaving behind a, a legacy is important and leaving behind something that can benefit as many people as possible is very important to me. Um, and so that means, you know, sometimes I forget about myself, you know, sometimes I forget about, you know, Oh gee, you should drink more water today. You know, just like sort of simple things. Um, but I do have to say that I getting to this point in my career, you know, my life is pretty simple. I, I don't have a lot of complicated things around me. Um, you know, and, and I, I've made certain choices in my life that really allows me to to focus on this. And I'm very lucky that my husband and I work together. So we get to share this right now. And that's not necessarily something I planned or thought I would ever do. Um, I didn't I wasn't necessarily interested in, in you know, marriage or family in the traditional sense. And so uh, I, it's just a beautiful, lovely gift that we do this together. And 
and we stay independent of each other at the same time. And a lot of the people who work with us are always marveling at that where they're like, Me wow, too. you it's know, Kim. it's like, wow, you guys are really independent. And but yet you're a couple and it's really inspiring. And we think we, th- <laughs> we, we and for us, it's not it's like kind of organic. Like it's just sort of that's how and we Kim, are. I got to tell you, it is an inspiration to all of us. I'm Laura Zarrow, and you've been listening to Women at Work on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Have a great week, everybody. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.